Father, I ask that you take the glory of our lives, Lord. That you take the glory that is of our lives. Everything and anything that our life might count for, anything that we might bring attention to, any, any goodness about us, Lord, would it point to you? Would it give you the praise? Would it give you the glory? Not only the sacrifice of our lips, not only just what we have to say, but Lord, the heart, the very heart, the, the seat of volition. Just Lord, when you look into our hearts, may you find a, a yieldedness, a willingness to, to humble oneself, a, living, a willingness to let God have the glory. Let him have first place. Let him have first choice. Let him have first love. Oh God, I pray that you would find us deeply humble, broken, and yielding, yielding to the Holy Spirit. It is my prayer, Lord Jesus, starting with me, my family, my church family, that the Holy Spirit would not have to contend with us every day. It is my prayer, Lord Jesus, that every day, every hour of every day, as the Holy Spirit tries to guide us, lead us, correct us, warn us, caution us, uh, provoke us, promote us, prompt us, that he would not have to contend with us every day, but he would find a willing spirit, a broken spirit, a yielding spirit, a following spirit, a, 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 a pliability about us that makes it pleasurable for him to lead us, to guide us, to work with us, that he may find it pleasurable to glorify Jesus in us. For the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to Christ and let him do that in me, in my life. This is my prayer. This is our worship to you, Lord. We pray for those who are just fatigued, horribly fatigued, the weather, the workload, the, the limited, limited uh, circumstances. We're limited by, by geography. We can't move around much. We can't mix with people much. And Lord, we have this overload of information as we sit in front of our computers or deal with uh, decisions that our mind wouldn't normally have to deal with. This decision fatigue, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would give us uh, wisdom. You would give us your presence of mind. Give us the mind of Christ that we would be able to handle it. Let your people have an edge in the way they handle life, Lord, during this pandemic, during this period, as we wait for this virus to get out. Father, we implore you in the name of Jesus, with hands lifted high, with hearts of worship, with heads bowed low, low to the ground at your feet, O oh God, we pray and we beseech you, Lord, that you would intervene, that you would heal, that you would speak, that you would uh, provide, especially those who are lonely, those who are tired. Lord, would you come alongside them? Or would you speak life into them? The way you breathe the breath of life into Adam, the way you breathe the breath of life into Eve and, were, and formed her out of, out of uh, the very being, that, that of life that you had given Adam. Lord, the way you just brought us into being, sustain us that way. Only you can do that. It is the breath of God that sustains us. It is the Ruah. It is the spirit of God that came out from God and went in to man and that he gives him life, gives us life. This is my prayer for everyone listening. Those who will listen in the next few days, 
for our church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A very warm welcome this evening to those of you who have joined us. And for those of you who perhaps are joining and are not live, even a warm welcome to you too. It's always a, a, a pleasure to have you. Uh, today, today for our devotion, as we just think about the Lord Jesus, I want to take our attention to a chapter in the Bible that is smack bang in the middle of a lot of very heavy material. So I don't want you to lose out on that. But nonetheless, I want I want to just draw a few thoughts and, and, and hope that it will be an encouragement to us. Jesus is a worthy high priest. If you're taking notes, I just want to dwell on that on that aspect that Jesus is a worthy high priest. When we know that he is worthy, and when we know that we have a high priest, we have someone on our side, someone in the high courts of the very presence of God, someone who's understanding us, praying for us, working with us, not against us. It just gives us a lot of encouragement and a lot of uh, um, a lot of impetus to pray uh, and stay in, in, in fellowship with God. Now, let me go back to a little bit of background. The book of Hebrews is debated on as to who wrote it. Some think it's Paul, some think it's uh, it's, it's others, but uh, nonetheless, it was written definitely in a time uh, when the believers, who the Jews who had become believers, were now finding their way away from God, uh, away from uh, Jesus and the, the liberty that is in Christ and the gospel as given to them by, by Paul and others. And they were sort of returning to a way of life uh, in the Judaic uh, system of life. So this is this is a possible. We're in chapter seven, and we're uh, in verse eleven onwards. If you could just have your Bibles uh, open to that, we call them apostates because they are Jews who understood the gospel, gave their life to Christ, and then are now kind of going back to traditional ways of doing things. So it was Jesus and the law. Jesus and uh, Jesus and the law, Jesus and uh, traditions, Jesus and ceremonies, Jesus and washings, Jesus and festivals. They wanted all of that because their identity was kind of wrapped up in that and it was hard to tear out of that. Very similar to traditionalism today or, or perhaps just religiosity today. Nothing wrong with those things except that once you have uh, left, Paul says, leave those elementary things and move on to greater things now that you have experienced Christ. So the book of Hebrews is a case for Christ. It's an incredible work of liter literature that is a case for Christ, starting with angels, then talking about the law, then talking about uh, Moses, and then talking about the Levitical priesthood. And he goes on and on. He says, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Now we know that Jesus is better, but there's a systematic cognitive case being made for why Jesus is better. But in all of this, even though this case was being made to Jews who are apostates, who had become believers and were slipping back into the Judaic way of life, we are not that. We're definitely not that. But we learn a lot about the Savior himself as we, uh, as we kind of read the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews really delves into every single aspect of the Jewish life and how it shows that Jesus not only fulfills everything, but he is the master of everything. Like, for instance, in chapter 9 and chapter 10, how it deals with the atonement. And he says bulls and goats over the periods of generations, bulls and goats have been sacrificed and all the blood of the bulls and goats cannot cleanse the conscience 
cannot cleanse the conscience from sin. But the blood of Jesus Christ, one man, one sacrifice, one lamb of God, is not only able to cover judicially, judicially the wrongs that have been done. Without the uh, shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So the blood of Jesus Christ is not only able to legally and judicially cover, give, give us a mercy covering because the blood of Christ was, was sprinkled on the mercy seat. It is not, it's not only death for death, eye for eye, life for life. It's not only that, but he is actually with his blood able to cleanse the very conscience so that you actually feel clean again. So it's that kind of stuff. It's incredible. And that's in verse chapter 9, chapter 10, and things like that. Today, I want to back up uh, to chapter, chapter Hebrews chapter 7. And my particular verses are 24, 24 onwards. But I need to take you back into a little bit of background. So don't get bored. Take some notes. And if, if you... If you uh, kind of lose it, you can always come back to this later. Okay, so verse 11 says this. Now, if perfection had been attained through the Levitical priesthood. So what are we talking about? This person who's making a case for Jesus has gone from angels. Jesus is better than angels. Uh, he's gone because the angels brought the very mess. They were the messengers of God and Jesus is greater than them. Uh, Jesus is greater than Moses. Moses was not uh, was was uh, he was he was taken up. He he did. Uh, I mean he uh, no, I wasn't taken up. But the point is that that he was one of the greatest leaders. He's the one who wrote the law. And yet Moses was not called a son in the house. Jesus was called a son in the house. So who's bigger? That kind of thing. So argument after argument after argument have been made. And now we have come to the Levitical priesthood argument. The Levitical priesthood argument that Jesus is the greatest great high priest. He's the greatest priest ever. He is the best priest and you don't need to move away from him to the old Levitical law. You don't need to go back to that. In fact, if you're going to leave something, you leave it behind and you go to something new. And if there's something new, there are new laws. All of that to say this. Verse 11. Now, if perfection had been attained through the Levitical priesthood, in brackets, for under it the people uh, received the law. Uh, what further need would there be, uh, would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? So who is Aaron? Aaron, Moses, they are the first of the Levitical priesthood of the tribe of Levi. But Aaron being the first priest and then all the priests after him, he says it is important that if you understand that this priesthood didn't work, then you need to understand where, what priesthood did work and where that priest came from. Let's do this again. Now, if perfection had been attained through the Levitical priesthood, if the priesthood, that is the whole process, the ceremonies, the laws, the, 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 the sacrifices, the, uh, the, the lambs that were, and the many, many goats and bulls and everything, the shedding of blood, if all of that had worked, if it had worked, you would not have needed another priest to come out of somewhere else. If the Levitical priesthood had worked, you would not, and we got the law from there, the Levitical priesthood, the Levites wrote, it would not, it would not have been necessary. Uh, note the word uh, necessary here. Okay, through the Levitical priesthood for under, for what further need, see that? What further need would there have been for any other priest to rise after the order of Melchizedek rather than the one named after the order of things? So, you're saying you've got the order of Aaron and then you've got the order of Melchizedek. Now, in, after the order of Aaron, you have the regular priesthood. But if that didn't work and if that didn't give to us that full and final coverage, then 
what need if this worked sorry if this worked and this did the job of covering our sin then where is the need for another to come from the order of melchizedek now who on earth is melchizedek melchizedek was a man who came out of nowhere and went out and went into nowhere he's in, he's in the old testament he just appears and he disappears he's a king he's a king melchizedek is a king and he was the king of the city of peace which is very interesting because jerusalem is the city of peace jerusalem shalom or salem so it's the city of peace so he's the king of he's the king of the city of peace and not of jerusalem but his but he was a king of the city of peace and he came out of nowhere and he disappeared into nowhere so that order where a priest suddenly comes out of nowhere and disappears out of nowhere which means he's not from a particular levitical tribe he's not from a tribe he's not from the 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 the, the band of priests that have taken an oath to be priests got it okay so if this worked then you wouldn't need another priest but the fact is that this didn't work and that's why you need another priest so i'm not actually spending a lot of time on melchizedek and all this whole matter i'm actually just setting the background and setting the foundation for what i'm going to talk about so this is not the main thing if you want to go uh, study that go back to chapter 7 it's all there for when there is a change in the priesthood verse 12 for when there is a change in the priesthood there is necessarily a change in the law as well okay so the law states that priests must come from a priestly tribe if you're not born of a priestly tribe you can't be a priest so when the whole priesthood itself didn't work now you have to abandon that law as well and that law needs to be changed so that a priest can come from somewhere else to make possible what works because that one didn't work for the one who for, for the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe i'm going to go down slow here verse 13 for the one of whom these things are spoken the one who we're talking about he comes from another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar okay so priests normally come from the levitical tribe so not only have should you be from the levitical tribe but should you also take an oath you have to take an oath as a priest that you will serve at the altar for the rest of your life but that didn't work and that didn't cover our sin and all the blood of bulls and goats didn't cover our sin although there was a system that was in place if we're going to change that we need to change the law that a priest should only come from there because this priest that came came from another tribe out of which no one had ever served at the altar the tribe of judah the tribe of judah were a bunch of scoundrels If you go back to you know uh, Samuel first and second Samuel first and second Kings, if you go back to the history of the twelve tribes, the tribe of Judah they were a bunch of rascals. They were a bunch of scoundrels. The crazy stuff they did, it was insane what all uh, wickedness they got up to. <clears throat> Never could you imagine a priest coming out of a tribe of Judah, but the redemption plan is such <clears throat> that out of the tribe of Judah, God. has ordained for a perfect person the lord jesus to come so he says and i just quote over here verse 13 for the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe for the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another from which no one has ever served at the altar verse 14 for it is evident that our lord was descended from judah there you have it 
It was evident that the Lord is of Judah. And in connection with that, Moses never said anything. Moses never meant any mention that this is the Levites. They are going to be the tribe. of They're going to be the priests. <clears throat> but at some point, a priest is going to come from somewhere else. So in the law, it was not stated. So therefore, the law itself needs to be changed, which means Moses is in question here. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek. I'm in verse 15. Okay, so here you have Melchizedek coming again. So like Melchizedek came in who was a king but served as a priest and then he disappeared. He came and he served and disappeared. This guy, this person, this this uh, entity, the Lord Jesus, he came out of nowhere like, the, like Melchizedek who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, that is Levitical tribe, but by the power of an indestructible life. I just want you to stop there. I want you to underline that and I want you to just chew on it. Just chew on it. The priesthood, Aaron, Levites, they set themselves up. Uh, Moses set them up and, and, and the, uh, the Levitical priesthood was set up. But these guys were imperfect. These guys were sinners. I'll show you that in, in verse uh, 23. These guys had to offer sacrifices for themselves. And this whole Levitical priesthood didn't work because it didn't clean the conscience of sin. Now, you might be asking me if the whole thing was uh, up to no good and the whole system didn't uh, failed, then why did God put it into place in the first place? I don't have the time to answer that right now. But there is an answer to that question. So it is a good question and there is a good answer. Uh, it has to do with the saints in the past putting their faith in that sacrifice which was looking forward to the ultimate sacrifice which stood in the middle of time, AD and BC. And every sacrifice in the past that looked forward to that sacrifice was indirectly placing their, their uh, faith in the final sacrifice. But these clowns who were living in the time where the sacrifice had been made in Jesus and they were going back to blood of bulls and goats, that didn't make any sense. That, that didn't make any sense. So he's making a case for the final sacrifice. He's making a case for Jesus, for the priesthood of Christ and for the sacrifice of Christ. So to answer that question, no, the law is not redundant. No, the sacrificial system is not redundant. But for you to come to Jesus, know Christ, and then go back to the law of old, old law system. That's a bit ridiculous. So Hebrews chapter 7 is primarily answering, addressing that uh, framework of mind. So having now said that, this beautiful thought about the Lord Jesus, those priests were destructible. Those priests could uh, uh, could disqualify themselves. Those priests could sin. They had to present offerings for their own sin. But this priest, this priest was qualified not by uh, by 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 genetic descent uh, from the living side, not because of any sacrifice that he had made, but because of his indestructible life. That is the resurrection. That is the resurrection because his life could not be destroyed because he himself was indestructible. He himself could not be taken down. So uh, verse uh, 16, who has become a priest, not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bo bodily descent, but by the power of an indestru indestructible life. Why? Because it was witnessed about him. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now you begin to understand who this guy is, this Melchizedek guy. And Jesus came out of nowhere and went 
into nowhere with regard to the priesthood. So he is not from the tribe of Levite. Just like you and I un, uh, uh, were born out of Adam, but we, we got our salvation by being born out of Jesus. Uh, those who were born out of the Levitical priesthood or, or they were under the Levitical priesthood, they had to leave that and uh, subscribe to a priest who was outside of this priesthood and uh, understand that he is the one who brings full and final, uh, uh, full and final redemption. Verse 18. Again, I said this is not the main thing I'm talking about, so that's why I'm not going deep into this. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. So he's talking about the law. The law needs to be changed. And if it's not working, then it definitely needs to be changed. So he uses the word, it was uh, a former commandment set aside because of its weakness, its inability to lead you to God, and its uselessness. Okay, for the law was made uh, for the law made nothing perfect. Please look at that. It's in parenthesis for the verse 19 for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Okay, so the question that that the that the author of Hebrews wants to answer is which priesthood draws you near to God? Which priesthood succeeds in bringing you to God? You can do sacrifices <clears throat> and you can slay bulls and goats and, and a whole lot of uh, you know, rituals. But will that cleanse your conscience and bring you back to God? Answer, no, that will not. That will not. Because it was never meant to, like the law, it was meant to lead you to Christ, who will be the one, <clears throat> the lawgiver, the law fulfiller rather, and the priest who leads you to God, who draws you near to God. You'll find this, this phrase, draw near, draw into his presence, come boldly into his presence in Hebrews many, many times. So this priesthood was actually meant to bring you into intimacy with God in a more powerful way than a ceremony and a Levitical system could. Verse 19. Um, for the law made for the law made nothing perfect but on the other hand a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to god verse 20 and it was not without oath it was not without oath for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath those who those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath so these guys <coughs> they were born as priests they didn't have an oath they were born as priests. They didn't have an oath. But this new priest that comes in swears in to this. But Jesus himself did not actually swear in, but he was sworn in by the Father. Look at this. Verse 20. Uh, it is not with an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said, The Lord is sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. The Lord is sworn and you will and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. The Lord is sworn. God the Father has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Underline priest, underline forever. If you're looking for a summary, here it is in verse 22. This is what summarizes this entire text. Verse 22 says this. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. This makes Jesus a guarantor of a better covenant. No Levite priest could do that. No Levite priest could, could, could guarantee you eternal life 
guarantee you uh, uh, intimacy with God, guarantee you complete and total forgiveness, guarantee you that another sacrifice would not be required. Another bull, another goat, another expense, another uh, sacrifice would not. No other priesthood, priest was able to do that. This priest was able to do it. One more reason why he was, uh, the others were not able to do that. Verse 23, the former priests, the ones who came before, were many in number because they were many in number. You had to have many priests. Why? Because they died. They died. They grew old and they died because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. So there was no priest that could stay as your permanent high priest because one after the other, they kept dying. So this priest, but he, that's Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently. Guess why? Because he continues forever. So now you have a priest who's a better priest than all the other priests because he has an indestructible life. He's a better priesthood because it came out of uh, an indestructible life, it came out of oath that God himself had sworn this priest in and not out of the Levitical tribe. It didn't come from a broken system that doesn't work, but it came from a system that was guaranteed to work. This Jesus lives forever because he rose from the dead and never to die again. Therefore, if he becomes your priest, you will always, 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 you will always, you will always, 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 you will never stop, always, you will always, always have someone on your side in heaven speaking for you. Someone on your side in heaven speaking for you. Someone who is guaranteed your forgiveness, guaranteed you'll never need another sacrifice, guaranteed that you are, uh, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, guaranteed that your prayers will reach the Father, guaranteed that you have intimacy with the Father now and forevermore, now and forevermore. Death pre uh, prevented the others from continuing, but he holds his priesthood permanently. I just love those words. He holds his priesthood permanently. Thank you, Jesus. Because he continues forever. He continues forever. Now, let me go to the few verses I want to uh, draw for you today. Consequently, he is able to save. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to, inter to make intercession for them. So you got a priest who is also the sacrifice who is also indestructible, who is also going to live forever. So you have a priest who is also indestructible, who is also the sacrifice himself, and who is also going to live forever. And he wants to be your high priest. So he takes your sin with his blood into the holiest of holies, not the one, on the, not the one in, in Israel, but the one in, the, in heaven. And he sprinkles his blood on the mercy seat, and then sits down forever. Those priests had the vial with the blood of the bulls and goats. And the vial had a round bottom. So that they couldn't put it down and rest for even two seconds. They sprinkle and come right out again. But this priest, he put it down. After sprinkling, he put it down and he sat down. Never to get up again. Because this priest was also a king. Melchizedek. This priest was also a king. And he, the king, who became a priest was able to become the sacrifice, the savior, to then hold your hold a priesthood forever for you. He's able to save. 
He's able to bring people and draw people and save people from the uttermost. What does that mean? From the uttermost, no matter how far they are, no matter how far gone they are, he's able to save them from the uttermost and bring them Look at the word near to God. So this is a word that comes and uh, repeats itself in the book of Hebrews a lot. You come near to God, draw near to God. Uh, it is able to bring you near to God through him. So when you, when you sing the song, draw me near to you, draw me near to you. It is not a physiological intimacy, of a, a, a psycho-spiritual uh, sense of the, of the presence of God. But it is a, it is a judicial access. It is a judicial access into the presence of God. Who can walk straight into the courts of God, into the presence of God? Someone who has no charge against him. Someone who has no charge against him. Who can walk straight into the presence of God? Someone who has a priest in heaven. Someone has a priest in heaven calling his name, speaking on his behalf. Who can walk right into heaven? Someone who bears testimony. Someone who speaks on his behalf. So you have been given a high priest, not according to the uh, tribe of Aaron or the priestly, but according to the tribe of Melchizedek or order Melchizedek, so that this one is indestructible. For it was indeed fitting that we should, verse 26, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. And let's quote this, uh, the number of things that are said about the Lord Jesus and close. For it was uh, indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. Number one, holy Innocent, unstained, separated from the sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Let's do that again. <clears throat> we need a priest like this because we are not like this. Holy, because we're not holy. Innocent, because we're not. Unstained, because we're not. Separated from sinners, because we're not. Exalted above the heavens, because we're surely not. We need a priest like that. And Jesus was the perfect priest. Jesus was the perfect priest. And the best thing about Jesus is we don't need to ever look for a replacement. He will never need to be replaced. He will ne never need to hand his cloak over to somebody else. Verse 27. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those people, since he did this once and for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. I repeat, for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. But the word of the oath, the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son, capital S, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. So this son was sent to experience death, sent lower than the angels for the suffering of death, so that he may go through the suffering of death and he may know what it's like to live our life walk in our, our shoes, feel our pain, know abandonment, know the grossness of sin and the, the depravity of sin, know the, uh, the weight of guilt. He would know the weight of guilt. And perfected by this incredible training of becoming nothing for us, he is the qualified person who now above the heavens, holy, unstained, and, uh, and innocent, separated from sinners, is able to... Uh, to uh, intercede for you. Intercede for you. Go back to verse uh, verse uh, 25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. 
That's your Jesus. He always lives to make, or he lives forever to make intercession for you. On earth and in heaven, you will never ever cease. You will never ever cease to have someone who speaks your name in affectionate tones, who speaks your name uh, in support, who speaks your name in, 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 uh, in, in rooting for you, who prays for you, who covers you, so starting with shedding his own blood for you, starting with shedding his own blood for you, he now at the, at, first at the altar, then now at the throne of God, makes intercession for you. He makes intercession for you. Good days, bad days, difficult days, fun days, successful days, failure days. This God, this Jesus is above the heavens. He is above the heavens. You need somebody who's above your life, above your problems, above your situation, above your circumstances, above the criticism. You need someone who's separate from sinners. He's not tainted by sinners. He's not irritated. He's not affected. He's not influenced. He's not diverted. He's not distracted by anyone. He is above the heavens. Leave alone the earth. He's above the heavens. He is lifted high and mighty. Meekness and majesty, manhood and deity. In perfect harmony, the man who is God. He is risen to heaven so that we now have manhood in heaven. Understand, understanding fully well what we go through, but representing us as God. He's not representing us as man. He represented us as man on the cross by dying in our place. But in heaven, he represents us as God himself. Because he's the one who is lifted up above all. And he guarantees redemption. He guarantees intimacy with God. Father in heaven, sometimes because of our sin, we feel far from you. Father in heaven, sometimes because of our, our many days of not reading the Bible or many days of, of neglecting or being far from you, we feel far from you. Father God, we feel far from you because we feel it. But what we know is that Jesus above all our feelings, has permanently, forever, given us a place in heaven. He's given us a name in heaven. He speaks our name. Our name is being prayed for. We're being prayed for by name. We are, we are being mentioned in heaven by name. He is a worthy high priest. Lord, this should radically alter our prayer life. If we know that he's praying for us, then we need to fuel him. We need to fuel him. We need to pray and talk to him so that he wouldn't he would speak on our behalf. He prays what he wants to pray for us. And when we know we have someone who is so committed to praying for us, and at that position that he has been given, above kindred, tribe, tongue, above everything, Lord, should we not come boldly into his presence? Should we not honor and and value? the access that he has given to us, to him? Should we not take up the offer of drawing near to you? Lord, I've said so many things this evening that I'm afraid that I might have even raised more questions or, 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 or it has been too heavy for a midweek after all the tiredness. And, but Lord, I, my prayer is this. Even if everything isn't understood and everything doesn't fit perfectly in place and many don't have the background information or the whole story, Lord, your tug on their heart, that you are a, <clears throat> you are a, priesthood who, a priest who gets it, 
You get what we're going through. You know what we are understanding, what we're feeling, what we're experiencing. You've lived our life and now you're separated from it. You're, you're, you're risen above all of it and you're able to represent us, Lord. Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for giving us a priest who knows, who has experienced and who's worthy. We thank you for this case that the author of Hebrews makes for Jesus. And I thank you, Lord God, for the indestructible life of Christ. And I thank you, Father, for the fact that we have always, 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 always someone interceding for us. May this truth, first of all, make sense, but also deeply bless us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us this evening. Uh, I hope that some of the words here and there, something would have stood out to you and would have touched your heart. May the Lord bless you. May he fuel and encourage and build you and strengthen you for the rest of the week until we meet again in the presence of the Lord, until we gather around his table. May the Lord enrich you. May he, may he strengthen you. May he... As he prays for you, may you feel the answers to his prayer. You know how sometimes you feel like someone's praying for you or someone has been praying for you. May you feel that. May you know that as that, 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 that Christ's prayer has not only been answered, but you can, you can sense it in your own life. May the Lord bless you. Have a good night. God bless.